0: a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing too. On the F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. hello welcome everyone today i have a special guest uh, on the offer tina powell of c-suite social media she is the founder and c uh, ceo of c-suite social media tina is a digital marketing social media consultant for the financial services community Her team builds multi-channel marketing campaigns for registered investment advisors, independent financial advisors, and organizations leading the financial services profession. Their role is to formulate marketing strategy and execute the work to achieve business objectives for the clients. This is something I talk a lot about at Females in Finance. I'm so excited that she's here. Uh, She's also a sought-after podcaster. Her In the Suite podcast shares amazing stories of women in business and the financial services, wealth management, financial technology community. The podcast features uh, uh, interviews with inspiring top women leaders in business and some of the biggest names in wealth management profession. In the suite is where you're going to discover best kept secrets, top strategies, and it's going to help you grow a great business, build an amazing brand, and help lead your teams into this 21st century. Tina is also a TEDx speaker. She is a former NYU professor. I don't know how much more wonderful things I can say about you. Welcome to the f Tina. How are you?
1: Oh, my God. Thank you so much for that. Thank you for that amazing intro. And I do want to just give, I'm so grateful also too for your episode being in the suite and Cheryl. What an honor to be here today. And I just, I love, I'm such a fan of the work that you're doing with females in finance and you being also to another Shiro mar- marketer in the in the space. And, you know, there's so many great women right now in our space that are trying to just create great outcomes for other people. And so I feel like we're all just, you know, we're all part of the same company. We're all part of the same mission and vision of what we're trying to achieved. So thank you for that. Thank you for having me today on the podcast. I'm thrilled, excited to be here. So this is going to be a love fest, everybody.
0: You're going to tell because you know it's not like we dislike one another. I know people always ask me like, how do you meet these cool people? Where do you find them? How do you know them? And you were somebody that I connected with on Twitter. I watched because of your marketing prowess to be quite transparent. Somebody who is a marketer. I appreciate good marketing. I love to see people give really good advice and and uh, tips and strategies on doing it well, what you do, and you were gracious enough to ask me, as you mentioned, to be on your podcast, and that was an honor for me back, and now I feel like we've known each other forever.
1: forever. You know, it's so interesting that you say that, and that's one of the beauties of social media is that, especially on Twitter right now, we're sharing these micro moments that are important. They're very to the point, very succinct messaging, and I love your posts, First of all, I'm just I'm in awe of the velocity of your posts. It's been something like wow, like you are truly a bionic socialite. You really, really are, and I I think that there's just a natural way that the algorithm and the technology works, and even the way the universe brings the people that are like-minded together. Right? It's 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 intentional by design that. We find ourselves, Cheryl, in the same circles and the same conversations, and and that there was a a friendship that was formed on Twitter. And I hear of that so much. There's so many people that I follow on Twitter. I have a list that's called Girl Power. I'm over 300 people, and I'm just in awe of other people. You know, it's it's what what I think is the beauty of social media is that yes, is it a um, uh, what's the word um, I'm looking for, a highlight reel. That's yeah. it, right? It's a highlight reel. It doesn't mean to say that we don't suff- We don't have challenges and difficulties in our life. We do. And I think you, you've also too, you've, you've provided a great window into just being really truly authentic. It's been a great example for me and even for other people on, on social media, especially now during the pandemic, you know, let's all be real with one another and let's use these platforms as a way to bridge like a, a transparent and a real conversation with each other and be there for one another. A hundred percent. agree with that. And, you know,
0: you were talking about the you know, Twitter and things. I, I think the things that I enjoy the most today is yes, I agree that we share, we definitely share our, you know, our knowledge and we articulate the things that we do well in that, but I also like the really real stuff. Like, you know, for me, if you follow me, you're going to probably see one of these cats because we got them everywhere. I'm going to be that crazy cat lady. But, you know, I also share some funny stuff too. And just some things that are, hey, is anybody else feeling like this? And that's where we're like, oh my gosh, it's me too. Like, seriously, we're talking about pandemic. How many more dinners can we make everybody?
1: Well, yeah. But, and also too, one of the things I like about you is that you're, you're sharing food. And, and one (laughs) of the things I did work in a cooking school for a year and a half, which was a fantastic, fantastic experience. I think that if I wasn't in financial services, I would be in hospitality. Uh, I might be a pastry chef. You know, I would definitely be in cooking somehow. So I have, um, I've loved your food porn, Cheryl. Uh, I love it. Well, you know, we
0: talk oftentimes, Daryl and I talk about opening a bed and breakfast one day. Because I feel like we could buy one of those really beautiful homes and I would love nothing more to cook for other people. And so we're in pandemic. So the only person I get to cook for is Daryl. And so that's why I take pictures like if you come to our home, I would make you this, you know, but you're not so that's the way that is
1: not for Um, now.
0: Yeah, I know There's Not under be- the
1: pandemic. We're we're all gonna we're all gonna be like uh yeah, we're going to the Hakerson house for dinner.
0: That's it. Everybody's invited, it's a party. So I know before we get too deep into the podcast, I wanted to recognize that we are um today celebrating. I use that word because it's not more like recognizing September 11th, 9/11. And I know you're a New York person. Uh, I would I would really like it if you wouldn't mind sharing just some of your thoughts from that day. I had um, I had a very interesting conversation with a friend of mine who he's in New Jersey. He happened to be in New York the day of 9-11. And he said that the thing that he remembered the most of all the stuff was the inability to be able to, to see because there was just the, the amount of dust and the chaos and the things. He said it was just that's the thing that he remembers, like each person has something else that they remember from that day. Do you mind, if you feel okay sharing, talking about that, to recognize and and be humbled in the experience of it?
1: Sure, I I would love to. Um, I lived at the time of 9-11. I lived in a town, Oradell, New Jersey, which is 35 minutes outside of New York City. It's a suburb. And in the traditional suburban New Jersey life, we live close to trains and planes and, and, and buses and transportation. A lot of people have jobs in New York City. At the time, I, I wasn't working in the city, but I had my kids in school. And so I'm the proud mother right now of a 30 year old and a 28 year old. And at the time that my kids were nine and 11 years old and they were going to school at Oradell Public School. And believe it or not, I was on my way to karate class. I was going for black belt and martial arts. I had karate every Tuesday and Thursday morning from 9.30 to 11. The kids were in school. I was a class mom. And then I remember my, my brother-in-law at the time called me and I hadn't yet left for karate class and said, so, you know, I just want to let you know that a plane crashed into the World Trade Center. And here I'm thinking like, wow, that's really odd. Um, naturally, I live close to one of the airports, which is only 35, 40 minutes away. So my mind is just defaulting to, oh, you know, something happened along the flight path. I'm not putting, t- the, the word terrorism didn't even it didn't even enter my mind. And so then uh, as we were, you know, starting to talk about it, I turned on the television and, you know, just seeing the black smoke and not knowing what was happening. Like there was mass confusion, mass confusion. And, you know, having your kids in school, being part of the PTA, then all of a sudden, like, the phone chain went off, so karate class was canceled. I'm watching the TV. You know, you're you're talking to every person you know. You know, your mother, my husband. You know, he wasn't home at that time, and just not knowing what to do. I, I would say it was paralysis, paralysis of just saying, "What's happening right now? What is going on?" And the, the here's the irony, Cheryl. That day was a gorgeous September day. There's not a cloud in the sky. It's, you know, 72 degrees. It is like a picturesque, beautiful day in New Jersey, trees, you know, the perfect weather. And so the juxtaposition of the most horrific, the most horrific act of warfare, and then it, it being against the blue sky um, and that was, you know, that was what happened. Uh, naturally, we all ran. We took our kids out of school, and that was another part of this paralysis and confusion. What do you tell your children? What are you telling your children now? It's like, how do you bridge that conversation when you yourself don't have the answers? And you know, nine and eleven, you're you're pretty smart at at that at that age, and it just changed life forever. Um, the other thing that I remember is that I was consulting with a client um, who happened to be in Suffern, New York and own a martial arts school, Melandra's Martial Arts Center, one of my clients for years and years. And because he works in, in Suffern, there's a part on the um, on route It's uh, route four turns into uh, going towards Suffern. Uh, It's actually route 17, route 17 North. And that you can see the New York city skyline. Mm -hmm. And for months, there was this, this, this smoke that billowed up to the, up to the sky. And that Mm -hmm. never left. And when, when you live here in the Northeast, like, parents you're constantly reminded life just changed on a dime like the same thing with the pandemic all of a sudden there was you could not go back to that previous life and then seeing the pictures the the videos everything playing out on social media hearing the stories oh my god you know, it's, it's this person, it's that person. I didn't know anybody that passed away in, in 9-11, but I knew friends of friends. Yeah. And just even to just know that somebody in, in my town passed away and they got on a, on a train or in a bus to go to work in New York City and, provide a, and go to work to provide an incredible life for their family. I'm still shaken by it. Still yeah. shaken by it um, i i can 't say uh, i just uh, it 's just part of our it 's part of our DNA uh, I think it 's again the the experience when you're when you were here in this area you 're constantly constantly reminded of it yeah. and, and, and and rightly so i I think that whenever I go into New York now, especially in that, there are these amazing black pools. There are the names of, of everyone who perished uh, on these black pools. And I run, I run my finger, I mm. run my finger and it's hard. It's still hard to talk about yeah. because, you know, you, there's a, there's a, there's an entire family through people behind, you know, it's not just the person it's everyone that's connected to that person and having to like the thing that really, and you and I can relate to this, um, you know, parents, um, kids losing their parents, kids losing their parents at like that age, the age of my kids and my kids were lucky that they still had both of their parents and some of the other kids weren't. And I'm just, you know, um, I think that I appreciate my life so much more as a result of 9-11, the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I never viewed life the same. Yeah. I I
0: appreciate you saying that so much. I had a, a very, very, very good friend of mine. And his name is Ian Freeman, who had a lot of his clients, a lot of his clients affected by that. And I remembered him saying, Um, he was on stage talking at an event and he was sitting there in a chair and he couldn't even look out into the crowd because he said somebody asked him like we're talking about advice because it's part of what we do in financial services right and he couldn't even look out into the crowd and he said into his lavalier he said all I remember was the number one question was am I going to be okay am I going to be okay it might get to be okay because the people that were making things okay perished in that and where you ran your finger along that and daryl my husband has been several times when we've gone out it's one of those things where um that's our job and i think that is such an important part of the work that we do that we don't talk enough about i think it's what you do um in your media practice with your podcast it's with it's what drives a lot behind some of the stuff that you do. It is something that I appreciate you sharing those words. I'd love for you to, as we're talked about those very things, can you talk about your own journey in financial services? Like, you know, we, we sort of joked around the beginning of the call before we started recording, which was, you know, why would anybody do marketing and financial services? I mean, we could be out doing alcohol and Red Bull and everything else and be a lot, you know, little less, and I wouldn't say stressful, but you know how that goes. But I want to work
1: on the Kraft Macaroni and Cheese campaign. Yeah, I was going (laughs) to say, that's going to be you.
0: That's it. Yeah, exactly. So how did you get here? How did you specialize in financial services for this?
1: Yeah. So interestingly enough, it does tie back to 9-11. So 9-11 happened in 2001. In 2000, my father, who was living in another state, he and my mother divorced when I was five years of age, and he was living in Houston, Texas at the time. And he was uh, an owner of a restaurant and they, uh, real workaholic, right? You know, Italian family, workaholic, (laughs) food, wine, all of those things. And he didn't come to work. And they knew that something was wrong because my father had an apartment right near the restaurant that he owned. And so somebody went to to get him and he had suffered a massive stroke that left him completely paralyzed, unable to walk, talk, speak. And, And that happened in 2000. And all of a sudden, again, I don't know why karate class just kept on coming up. I was coming home from karate class and you remember the old school answering machine, you know, you hit the play button, you know, and, and the, the message is like, you know, this is Houston Memorial hospital calling, you know, your father's, we have your father in ICU. And I'm like, what? Like that day I was in Paramus Park mall with Rachel upstairs in the food court eating jaros, you know? Mm -hmm. And then I was like, the next minute I'm on a plane that night taking a bereavement flight to Dallas. And oh, by the way, they wanted like $800 that night. And my aunt, who's an attorney and who lived in Dallas at the time said, why don't you come here and we'll drive to Houston together. And I was like, what the heck is happening to me? I was just, and oh, by the way, you know, this is just, it's just out of left field. And so I show up at the hospital and they're like, oh, your grandfather. And I'm like, that's not my grandfather. That's my father. Yeah, like that is my father. I'm making all kinds of arrangements for my kids and their activities, and I'm like, whoa. So that was in that was in 2000. Then 9/11 happened. Then having to get back on a plane, and I was like, oh wow, like this is just way too much for me. God, I did not sign up for this. You know, can you please put my life on an easier path? And so he died in 2005 and there were things that happened throughout that experience, Cheryl, that we, when my brother and I showed up at at ICU and eventually, you know, we had to go through like some rehabilitation training, some speech therapy, occupational therapy. I remember that they had this room that was like modified. We had to learn how to, you know, how to take, what's the right way to Take somebody from a wheelchair and put them in a, you know, in in the car and in a bed and all of those things. And then it was like boom, like okay, well time time's over. Your your therapy's done. And it was like, well, wait, but my father's not okay. Well, uh, Medicare Part B, you know, your father only had this and that. And it was like Meta, who? I'm like, what are we like talking about here? And and so that's what. After my father died in 2005, I said, boy you know yeah i was i business wise i felt like i knew a lot money wise i felt like i knew nothing and and i said to myself you know what if this this what what is this here to teach me what is this here to teach me and i said tina You had better, like just when the inform, I figured out the information superhighway, right? I knew that when that came out and I knew that I had to make an intentional decision to go into finance as a marketer. And I'm like, you know what? I know marketing really well. And so I found a job on Craigslist to work at Northwestern Mutual Financial Network to assist Rochelle Kaplan, who is the director of operations for three top producers one in Connecticut, two in New Jersey, and we crushed it. We had to, my job was to go out to the movers and shakers uh, section of the, you know, printed and online and, you know, who got a raise, who got a promotion, you know, who needed a new policy. And that was my entree. And that was my ticket into the financial services. And I knew, and I knew that it was the right thing to do. and, and the, the only, the only thing I remember saying to myself is like, wow, where were all these people during that time? I'm like, now I have answers. I've got experts. I know all this stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. Medicare, you know, everything, insurance. My father had no insurance. My my father had no financial planning. My father never stepped foot in a college or university, you know, totally different from my mother. It was like, you know um what's that book um rich 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 dad poor dad yeah i had like rich mom poor dad like their their lives were totally um totally different and and that's why i went into financial services i took that job with northwestern and i want to say it was like 2007 wow Um, you know, and that was, and then of course, the, the great, yeah, I was going to say,
0: I was like, wow, great time to be in financial <laughs> services. Cause 2008 was such a stellar year for all of us. Yeah. I know, I know you do a lot of speaking engagements. What do you find most financial service professionals want to learn about marketing their business? I feel like that's the number one question we both get.
1: Yeah. I think that they think that there's a quick fix. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think they want to know that the, what's the magic bullet? What's the one thing that I need to do? And I created a program. I did it at uh, SSG at their conference in 2000, uh, to, uh, 2018. And I called it Modern Marketing Portfolio Theory. And I said, you know, it's, it's, marketing follows the same principles as asset allocation. You know, you've got website, you've got email marketing, you've got conferences, you've got podcasts take all of the things that we do as marketers and put them into an asset allocation strategy and it's not a one thing it's a combination of everything and you know organize your marketing portfolio around your resources and your ability to tolerate risk are you high growth are you growth or are you value decide where you want to be on the risk spectrum And then create a marketing plan around that.
0: I love it. How many people have, have, I got to ask this question. I got to. How many of you have been, have have had phone calls where the advisors called or some financial service professional said, okay, Tina, go make this viral. (laughs) Look at your I know you're listening friends. So that's, that's,
1: that's another thing like that financial services taught me. Was that I and I, I worked in a, a traditional wealth management firm for eight years to figure out and to learn everything that I didn't know. CRM, portfolio management, got a Series sixty-five license, um, learned all the softwares, Riskalyze, Veo, iRebal. You know, while I wasn't like a power user in everything, I had enough knowledge to make me super dangerous and to know how to create reports i could create a report and a workflow in juncture cloud if i needed to
0: um yeah you were you were data mining yeah and that is the virality like if it i have tried so many times to tell financial service professionals when they've called me and they say that i'm like stop it takes nine months to make a baby you are very infrequently going to be dunking in the dark with oreo you work in a very regulated profession we have to think about some of these things where i think a lot of magic lies and is exactly what you just said mining data in a way and then tying that to marketing initiatives and campaigns that your company can help do
1: exactly and if you come in and say you know what i want double digit returns over the i p i'm going to say you know what we're probably not your agency you should probably work with another agency And I'm like, we cannot design a journey for you that doesn't exist. So marketing in its purest form helps to augment around the the natural client acquisition process. Just because all of a sudden you've got all these fancy tools and all this marketing automation doesn't mean that all of a sudden that clients are gonna follow a different type of journey. And that's it where it's like, oh, well, we want people to come to the website and we want them to do this and what, and I'm like, okay. And so let's look at your last five clients, right? Let's look at their origin story. Walk me from point A to point B and how did they get here at this firm? And so then they are like that, which completely is the opposite of what they just said. And it's like, wait, you want digital client acquisition, but really, the strength of your firm is in referrals, so why don 't we augment around that and make the sales cycle sh- shorter, make you more referable, make the client experience just more easier, so that people so that we, referability is still your main bread and butter yep. but let 's use marketing automation in a way to accelerate it exactly, exactly,
0: and I think that that 's what you do beautifully, and you talk about that, and i 've listened to you speak several times and how you moderate and your expertise and where it lies and although i know maybe once upon a time we might have been slightly competitors i've never seen you in that regard at all i think that you are very niche i think that you are finding the right people uh i know you and i have a common uh, connection in gary vaynerchuk and as much as i adore the advice that gary gives out in a lot of things it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the things that he talks about are specific to my practice and marketing, the same with you, et cetera. But I simply extract the nuggets of the, the advice and apply them to financial services. And I think you're doing exactly the same thing in that regard.
1: Yeah, I think there's both. I think there's synergy and harmony between, between us. And I think both of us, Cheryl, view the universe as something that's abundant. Exactly. Every single firm Needs marketing, yeah. and we're not we're not the right agency for everyone. I had to recently turn uh, down a few opportunities that I felt that weren't the right fit for for a couple of reasons, and it it is truly you know both of us want to serve the client in the same way that the profession is serving the client and we want to do what's best. And if I feel that it's either a relationship or an expectation that we can't absolutely deliver on, I'll put that, I'll point that into another direction of even a competitor Mm -hmm. and you can't be all things to all people. And we're not, we're not trying to be, we work with a specific subset of, of, of companies that are, you know, they're, they are, trying to use marketing for various reasons. Some might want to position quite truthfully for a liquidity event, you know, mm-hmm. which is something that we don't hear like, oh yeah, you know, actually marketing's really good to help you drive up your brand equity and to get you discovered. And so that the VC firm even that's doing due diligence on your company, we work with financial service providers, we work with FinTech companies, who are just received VC funding that all of a sudden the VCs come in and they're like, yeah, what's your marketing plan look like? And they're yeah. like, oh, oh yeah. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss that during the next board meeting. And everybody's trying to drive up their valuations, right? They're trying to increase their brand equity and a great marketing person will help you do that because they'll understand, they'll, they'll look at the strengths of the brand and they'll figure out how to augment around it.
0: Exactly. And you know, that kind of leads into the next part about the podcast that you because it's wonderful. And I have to tell you that in the suite experience for me was extremely wow. Like you were very tight, had it together. Everything was, I, I, I was just, so you guys understand the backside of it. It was amazing how she did this, but I would love for you to talk about podcasting. That's so. I want you to also talk about what you're doing with your specific podcast, but I would love for you to add maybe one more comment about why podcasting is a good marketing tool for others to consider.
1: So my foray into podcasting, uh, what what I noticed was this and especially in marketing, because we're very, we're all very visible in the feed. And I'm a big fan of a lot of great podcasts. Charlotte, you've been podcasting for a lot longer than, than I have. And traditionally though, in our space, I would say that, there's more male podcasts than female podcasts. That's that's number one. Mm-hmm. And I just feel that I feel that part of the conversation, part of the dialogue was just missing. And one of the things I am fascinated about are people's origin stories because I got here after age 40. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And I look at like a Cheryl Hickerson and I'm like, wow, you've been here you've been in financial services for a lot longer. How did you know to be here? How mm-hmm. did, no, I didn't know that this would, I didn't know that I would meet these incredible people that I would all of a sudden have information and access to hardworking, caring professionals. Again, it's kind of like this wolf on Wall Street. That's, that, those are the examples that were shown. And it's anything but that, especially in the financial planning profession, and I, I just said that I just looked at the, I looked at the podcast universe and I said, you know, and I pointed in, in also to who's going to have this person on their podcast mm-hmm. and who's going to have that person. It's like, it's the same people showing up over and over and over again. And it was just like, I traced my finger on nine 11 on the black pools. Whenever I go to New York city and I'm in that area, there's a story to tell everyone has a story. And I said, and everyone should be able to tell it. Whether or not that they're a VP or a president, um, yes. And and it's it's not the title. When I say that in the suite that we are sharing stories about the most important people in wealth management and financial planning, it's not because of their job description and their role It's because what they've done to impact the industry that's why i wanted you to be on and it's interesting uh, so you know the genesis was just to say you know what i'm going to put my i'm going to put my hat in the ring and i'll give you a big secret everybody i'll give you a, 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 the secret behind the the podcast is I hired someone to help me. I took a course at General Assembly in New York City in December, 2019, taught by Jen Glance, who has mm-hmm. her own podcast, right? Yep. And she's, she's a dynamo. She happens to be 20 years younger than I am. And she comes into this like, we're a bunch of misfits. It felt like Welcome Back Cotter, right? Remember, Welcome Back Cotter?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, you're exactly,
1: right? And you're in the classroom and you look around. It's kind of Breakfast Club, Welcome Like yeah. Cotter. And I'm like, wow, we're all here because we all want to do the same thing. We all want to tell some sort of a story. And so I wound up hiring Jen Glance to be my podcast coach. Wow. And I said, yeah, exactly. I bought sessions with her and I said, Jen, I said, I want to do this. And I said, and I'm not sure how to get unstuck. I'll give you another secret. In 2019, Cheryl, as a marketer, I wrote nothing on my blog because I was stuck. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know what? Could I write about like, yeah, could we write about funnels and could we write about, you know, um, Facebook ads, and can we write about best practices in social media, man, social media marketing, and and that was like, I just hit a wall, and I was like, but that's not it. I'm not like feeling it, and I said, you know what, if I can't eat my own cooking, then I'm not cooking. If I, unless that I'm like super jazzed about that blog post that I just wrote. And so something was calling me to just say, I don't know, I'm I'm looking for something, and for whatever reason, I've always been an audio learner. I've ever since the de- the days of like audio books and CDs. I've always been listening to stuff. My eyes get fatigued because of how much informa- how much time I, I spend on a computer, and so you know, back to the gen gen glance. I hired her to be my podcast coach. She's a millennial. She's techie. She's, she's phenomenal. And so we went through three months of planning. What's the name? What's the cadence? What's that? And originally I told Jen Glantz, I'm like, we're going to do this podcast once per month. She's like, Tina, great. And then like, then, then I'm, creating workflows, you know, everything around three months of augmenting the process, standard operating procedures, whatnot. And, and she gave me the power to go out and say, you know what? You got this. You were meant to do this. So I had help. I love it. I love it. So we're getting ready to, yeah.
0: uh, we have our, I, we have a, a actionable education is my big one. I'd like to wrap up with what's one thing you'd like to impart on the listeners today. So meaning what is something that a financial services person could be doing today to take and immediately act on? Like they, they, they click off of this podcast. What's that,
1: what's that one thing you'd like to see them do? So I think, and it's a really great question. So I think if there's anything that the pandemic has taught us is that we've done a reboot and we've done a reset of ourselves. I want you all listening right now to this incredible podcast. Again, Cheryl, thank you so much for having me today. And it's a great question. I want you to sit and I want you to do nothing, but I want you to think. I want you to think about what it is that you're doing today, and if it's the right thing to do, or if there's something that's like germinating inside of you. Something like for me, it was podcasting. And eventually when I made that an intention that all of a sudden, you know, think the right people came into my life, the right situations occurred, you know, and it's a little whisper, you know, listen to your gut and take, uh, take inventory of your life and the things that you're doing. And if something's not bringing you harmony or, or making you feel right, then shut it down. And I promise you that if you create a void in your life, you will give then the thing that you're supposed to do the chance to walk through. Oh, but it I won't get there if you're blocking it with busyness. And okay, you, I was like, Cheryl, this was me in 2019. I am a marketer. I have to write on my blog post. I have to do this. And I'm like, what happens if I just stop? Yeah. What would that look like? And so I've heard this analogy before and I love it. And it's the idea of having to pull back and it's having to pull back the arrow. I think Angie Herber said this in a podcast. Oh, I love now, Angie. Right. From Michael Kitsis. And I remember yeah. her saying, like, you need to pull back the arrow before you can, you know, launch it, before it can move through, through air. And that's it. You know, take a moment to pull yourself back and then. You will spring forward.
0: Love that. Good advice. Solid advice. Okay, I always love to ask my guests three questions. I have to answer them too. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. And they all say that too. Like, oh, here she goes. Oh going. God! And right. it helps us get to know you better. Oh, you ready?
1: Boy.
0: <laughs> you ready? All right. Okay. So the first one is: Do you have any siblings?
1: Yes, I do. So I have a brother in Jersey City, and I have a brother in Houston, Texas. And oh, so both, one
0: far, one near.
1: Yeah, and they're both uh, and they're both younger. So my um, my brother Tony here is in uh, in Jersey City. And he is actually he's dancing Tony. A lot of people know him actually. Dancing? My brother's legendary. My brother's epic. He's like the fun, right? I'm like the very serious. My brother is the is uh is king of fun. <laughs> and I my love brother it. in Texas, we have the same father, and I adore uh my stepmother, his his mother, and and he's happily mm-hmm. married and I just I never had a sister, right? Never had never have a sister, but uh, Tony and Nick. I love it. Well, I have a sister,
0: so you're not missing much. And she, she's <laughs> Tina. Uh, my sister, Tina, she's eight years, seven years older than me. So she was like my mini mom. My mom passed away when I was six. My sister was 13 at the time. Wow. Oh yeah. So she became like that. You're yeah. going to get dressed and, and you had to like, listen to her. It was really rough growing up, you know?
1: Oh yeah. We talked about your mom passing. And again, I'm, I'm sorry for that. Oh. And I, I didn't know that. I didn't know that your sister's name was my name. Yes, and that she was older. And now I look back, and I'm like, wow, that's really, that's incredible. How you happen to have the older sister? Yeah. Again, life is by design. It's, 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 uh, wow.
0: Well, and just to put things he, in perspective he, for how
1: exactly
0: how much of a real sibling she is. There was a thing on yeah. Facebook yesterday that said would you slap your sister for $90 million? And my sister tagged me and said, I'm slapping you. We're going to the bank. (laughs) I love that. That's cute. I was dying. So number two is what do you do in your free time?
1: Mm, So in my free time, I golf. Um, One... And I and I try to spend as much time with my kids. Again, they're they're grown adults right now, so it's like, mom.
0: Uh. <laughs> uh, so are mine. They're like right. And today I
1: get to have lunch with my daughter, and I'm so oh. excited. I I can't wait. So I'd love to go to Hoboken and uh, see them and hang out. i have in the
0: Hoboken.
1: Oh, it's such a fun place. So I love is. to eat. I love to go eat and and drink with my with my uh, kids and their respective uh, girlfriends and fiancés and.
0: I had lunch with April Rudin in Hoboken.
1: Oh, that's a great place. And April's fantastic too. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah.
0: And let's see, my free time, the little that I have, because let's be honest, I probably would say well, you know, I used pandemic to learn how to grow tomatoes. Oh yes, I think I saw that on Twitter. How is that? How have... well they were great. The day we came back from our trip, the deer ate oh, all of them. Oh gee all of them. And then I said, I walked into the bedroom, and told Daryl, I'm like, well, I'm buying you a deer tag this year. And uh, he's like, uh Oh like, yeah. So, but I would say for the most part, most of my free time is my grandkids. You know, you see, Yeah,
1: them. your kid, your kids, right? I, I don't have any grandkids yet. Uh-huh. And my kids aren't married yet, but you know, the, the other activity golf is I, I want to say for any woman contemplating golf to this morning, I worked out at orange theory and the first golf course golf um, instruction is I, in PGA uh, Superstore, they had a women's executive golf. And I'm still friends with one of the girls that was from that earlier class. And nature is something that balances me. I've done all kinds of like, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk, know thyself. And if you spend a lot of time in computer and electronics, you have to balance it. And for me, I need yeah. to balance it with nature. So every day I'm intentional about taking a walk, and surrounding myself with like nothing electronic. Yeah, and living golf, things. Yep. Exactly. Golf does that. It is the it is the window to the most exquisite parts of our of our landscape. I you I can't even begin to
0: tell you wildlife. I love it. My husband's a golfer, and he went a thousand percent. Like he'll sometimes be out golfing with the guys. I put in air quotes because. He's texting me, like, pictures of the golf course, like, look at that casino, <laughs> look at this. You know, I'm like, Daryl, go golf with your friends. Um, how about this? What's your favorite season?
1: So I would say that, oh, that's a hard question to ask. It, it It is either between, put it to you this way, I, I, I find beauty in every single season, and I, I find that I need them all. And- while fall is yes because of the color you know fall's probably the most favorite and and even after that i love winter i love it after a snow and everything is covered in white and it's glistening in the sunlight and it looks like a winter wonderland and you don't hear anything and occasionally like a bird or like a squirrel And you, you see this glistening and you feel the cold, you feel alive in that moment. And you really like, I look at the snow and I'm just mesmerized by just the sheer beauty and awesomeness of just being in that moment. You feel like you're in a snow globe. So yeah,
0: I agree. We might, you know, Daryl and I got married December 23rd. It was Festivus,
1: the holiday for
0: the rest of
1: us. Yes, that's right. Congratulations.
0: Aired, I know. We aired grievances and then we went and got married. And so I own three Christmas trees, like as in full on Christmas trees. And I'm trying to add two more, but he told me I can't. Oh, like,
1: I know you are going to sneak one in somehow. But we know who I really
0: know, like, runs the show. Oh, we don't know who runs the exactly. show. Exactly. Yeah. So when you have as many grandkids as I do, I like the, every tree is piled with gifts and they come to our home and they just say like, this is better. This is the best thing. And. And so I do, I love me some holidays down there. I do love Christmas. So we're going to be certain to provide a link to all the ways to reach and connect with you. You are such an asset to this financial services community and to females in finance specifically. I am grateful for you. I hope you know that. Um, I'm so lucky to call you my friend. I hope there's going to be a post COVID day. We get to meet and hug in person and be together and just know that I, I, i am so
1: lucky to have you in my circle. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Cheryl. It's an honor to be included in that circle. And I appreciate all of the work that you're doing. Again, I look at you and what you're doing with Females and Finance and everybody that's part of this community. It's all of us coming together. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me as part of Females and Finance. Again, you're just so generous with your time and your you know, what the amount of energy and effort and what you put into the world. So it's, it's just an awesome place to be right now. And I'm really, even with the pandemic and, and 9-11, I, I look at those relationships. I look at the circles that I'm in right now with such, over, with such gratitude. So thank you again. Absolutely.
0: appreciate it so much. Listeners, Thank you for being here today and listening to this amazing chat with Tina Powell. And you can learn more about her and the topics we covered here by visiting the links that we're going to provide on the episode page. If you love this podcast, because come on, you know you did. It's Tina Powell, hashtag females and finance as you share and talk about it so that we can make sure we interact with you. We want you to also remember the F word. It is where females and finance are not dirty words. And thank you for listening. Thank you for being here. What a pleasure.